label, you know, rather than know or build a relationship with mm -hmm. out of curiosity, right? I guess you're curiosity yeah. about so. Um, but the curiosity, like, in my opinion, you're either born with a very curious nature or you're not. Mm -hmm. Some people will don't care to dive into things any more than just knowing the name, right? Mm -hmm. I remember one of my teachers, Tom Brown, told me once he was he was he was talking about something like a red fox, for instance. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, you could know what a red fox is. You can identify pictures of it. You maybe even know a little bit about its life cycle, about its gestation period of its young, about its diet and its habitat. He said this, and this is really interesting to me. He said, if you don't know how that red fox makes you feel in your heart, you don't know that red fox at all. And that one, that one kind of hit me because that's what we're seeing with our connection with nature today is, you know, people are concerned about nature. They want to take better care of it. But if there's no heart connection, how do you expect people to take care of something that, that they don't love? And how do you love something? Love and love is more than just saying, "Oh, I I love nature." Mm -hmm. No, love is loving nature because you you know a lot of different things about it, and you've interacted with them through personal experience, through hands-on experience. And let's face it: how much of our public school system has anything whatsoever to do with hands-on experience, or and a true spiritual experiential experience. And that's something that you know that courses through the veins of traditional cultures they love nature and that's because they're smart enough to know that they've got to take care of it they got to work with it instead of try to dominate it but that i mean you know it's part of what we were talking about before with the shows you know it's I mean, I think there was even a show called uh, uh, Man Against Nature or Man Against Wild or, you know, the, mm -hmm. you know it's against, right? Um, mm -hmm. And against is not in love. I don't say, you know, I, I'm with, I'm against my wife. <laughs> that might not be a, it might not be a recipe for a good marriage. Um, yet we do that with nature. Uh -huh. we're, we're not in love with it. So at the same time richard you know i i know that you care deeply that's how we ended up having this conversation how do you how do you get the average person to fall in love with nature you know and i'm going to give a different analogy because i think it's an important way to understand it is that we have uh racism just as an example and, and in racism we look at people who don't look like us and we say they're different than us and I don't like them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have you met one? Yeah. Have you met many? No. Have you gotten to know many? No. Yeah. Well, how do you not like them? I don't understand. But it's the same thing with, with, with nature in that we haven't had that experience. And what's more is like, you know, it's kind of um, interspecies uh, racism right in the you know i don't want to get to know them how do we get people like what's your advice about how we get people to to engage we get people to to interact with and 
powerful potentially fall in love with. Because I'll tell you something, I love nature and I really do love nature and I'll spend time in nature and all the rest of it. But I am now of a certain age where camping is not a freaking option. It's just <laughs> not happening for me. There's no sleeping on hard ground for me anymore. Did that stuff in my 20s and 30s. At this age, I'm, I'm so, you know, I want a nice hot shower. I want a decent firm bed with a good pillow. Right? I'm not even living in a cheap motel anymore because of that. So, you know, I know we've gotten soft that I, I own that, but how do we get people to, without dropping them off in the bush, how do we get them to fall in love with nature again? Or even- you do it by, um, taking classes from people like me, people that are going to give you experiential hands-on experience without putting you in a dangerous situation. What I do with my classes, you know, plants are, plants are so important. It's like uh, um, survival itself, learning to live off the land or with the land, I prefer to say, um, has to do with plant knowledge, being able to recognize food, being able to recognize resources that you can use for rope, that you can use for building shelters. So, so like plants are a big one. And when I teach people about plants and I start to get them to sample these plants or we'll gather a bunch and we'll start to incorporate them into our regular meals during the class, these people, I mean, you should see the glow in their eyes, right? Cause that's just the beginning of it. I mean, you know, there are hundreds of plants here, hundreds of edible mm-hmm. plants. And if you can, you know, I've found if I can just introduce people to maybe 10 or 15 or 20 during the course of a week, they have the confidence then. They don't have the fear. They have the confidence to identify that plant when they get home, even though, even though they might forget its name, right? Mm-hmm. They'll recognize it and they'll be able to utilize it and they'll be able to get curious about it, maybe look it up on the internet, tell their friends about it, maybe collect some with their kids and have that then become a part of their family tradition or experience. Gerald Jampolsky years ago wrote a book called Love is Letting Go of Fear. Mm -hmm. You know, and so when we talk about falling in love with nature, then then it's obvious that we've we've got to overcome our fear of nature. And I feel like um, many people are, weirdly fearful of nature and i'm not talking about fearful of bears chasing them down the down the path i'm talking mm-hmm. about just fearful of nature i mean people are fearful of the freaking rain right i don't particularly like being in the rain in the city but you know i'm not fearful of it that's different right but i feel like people are um so outside of you know <laughs> joining nature school and, and signing up with you what would be something somebody could do sort of now? I mean, is it you know, this a wonderful thing about YouTube and things like that? Is that where we start? Do we start with YouTube and, and just looking at some of those shows and getting, I mean, are, do we, are we trying to hook some curiosity? Are we trying to hook some uh, intrigue about the subject? I don't see anything wrong with YouTube at all. I think there's a lot of really good instruction on YouTube. Yeah. Um, you know, people always, people really want to learn about plants too. I mean, there's usually college campuses and things like that, or health food stores will probably have some kind of herbalist attached to it that maybe does plant walks 
right. where people are just learning to identify and being introduced to plants. But that fear from nature that you touched on comes from the fact that we're not introduced to it. We don't know it. School is not teaching that type of connection. And when we don't take the time to get to know something, we generally fear it. Right. And we do this with Very people. Yeah. We do this with cultures. And, and, and when we, we're fearful of that, you know, what man fears, man ultimately destroys. Yes. And that's what we're sharing today. That's what we're yeah. seeing. That's a very good point. What man fears, man ultimately destroys. And what man fears is usually what he doesn't understand. Exactly, because it hasn't taken the time or had a teacher that introduced him to it at a safe level. Mm -hmm. experiential level. And there's also the, the, the uh, predominance of the ego mind to say that uh, I'm better, we're better than them. So, you know, the, the, uh, what, what were they called? The, uh, the heathens, right? The, the indigenous people were called the heathens by the Christian explorers, right? You know, whether it was, uh, whether it was Columbus or, 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 you know, whoever it was, right? There are many, and most of them were not good people let's just use that term right now um who wiped out entire generations because they didn't understand and didn't bother to get to understand they didn't want uh, to either <laughs> no right uh, and well because i mean it's one of the things that i've talked a lot about and it's interesting to hear that your point on this is that i think that um we don't want to know because if we know we would have to question what it is that we believe and so when we, if we hold an idea, and we know this psychologically, if we hold an idea and somebody comes up with another idea, our automatic response is to knock it away, is to say, no, this is the truth. Right. Um, and for me, uh, this is part of my work, is that the stronger you hold on to an idea, the less you actually trust it. So what it means is I'm always nervous about people who are, screaming and shouting about something because I know that that's deeply within them. And the, the more rigid we are about something, then I know the less we trust the thing we're rigid about. And we that's shaky ground and I cannot afford. Whereas a, a well-rounded individual goes, okay, you know, my wife and I were sitting around uh, the other day and we were watching uh, some, some uh, Netflix and she's flicking through and she goes, oh yeah, there was this documentary on there. And I go, what is it? Because she knows I love documentaries, and, and I said, "Oh," she said, "Oh, it's about flat earthers," and she sort of snickered, and I go, "Oh, that sounds interesting." And she goes, "Really, really? You know, you would be interested in that?" And I go, "Absolutely." She goes, "You think they might be right?" And I go, "I didn't say that." She goes, "What is it?" I said, "I'm intrigued with why they would think that." Mm -hmm. I can't write it off uh, because I don't know where they're coming from. I know I've seen images. One of my favorite shows is uh, This Strange Rock, which you may have seen, which is Will Smith narrates it, and it's eight astronauts talking about the Earth and talking mm -hmm. about the Earth and the plants and, and the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the microbes and all the little things, as well as the giant things and the way it all looks in space. But you see all these images of the Earth in the round, and you know, it's definitely not a flat Earth. But I'm fascinated with why people would think in a certain way. And I'm secure enough in knowing in my belief that the world is round to say, of course I can listen. 
listen to your ideas about why it's not, and I don't have to actually crap on you in the process. And I think that a lot of times we get so rigid and fixed about things, you know, liberals are all lunatics or uh, Republicans are all crazy people, you know, and I think that's part of our problem. Again, we lack the curiosity to say, yeah, I wonder what I could learn in there. You know, again, these preconceived ideas that, that, you know, uh, that this Richard guy in his earth school, you know, he's probably about, you know, uh, hunting in the middle of nowhere and, and doesn't live in a house and you know wipes his bum with a with a with a leaf and you know and there's all these preconceived ideas mm-hmm. that have got maybe some reality in them i'm not saying they're totally unrealistic maybe have some reality but not they're not real in the context of the whole person mm-hmm. that's right right so you know, one of the things that you're very involved in is, you know, we talked about it just a few minutes ago uh, at the beginning of the show, which was, we talked about community, you know, and you talk people say, well, I come from the Oak Ridge community or whatever it is, right? Which has got a lot to do with what it was and nothing to do with what it is. And the word community is missing. And you've done a lot of work around traditional communities versus community today. And, um, Native American, First Nation, uh, that kind of thing. Talk to us a little bit about that side of, of your, you know, what you educate people in and what you try to bring people to. Well, um, like I said, I've had a handful um, uh, real Native American teachers. And, um, and I feel very blessed about that. Plus, I have a very strong curiosity about Native cultures in general. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I spent, I spent a good deal of money getting videos that I could watch, you know, um, video series on all the tribes in the United States and read about the history and their encounters with the uh, pioneers and the settlers. And you kind of hear things through, through their perspective about mm-hmm. what happened to them. And you realize that these people, you know, really loved nature. They weren't mm-hmm. heathens. These were people that had strong communities. For instance, here in the Smoky Mountains, the, the Cherokees um, say that they have an eight to 10,000 year oral history. That means eight to 10,000 years of living very close to nature and not messing it up. They had clean water, clean air, plenty of food, never took more than they needed, you know, Everything they had came from nature and went back to nature eventually. And so everything was just this one big circle of life, you know, as it, as it should be, everything gets Mm -hmm. recycled that way. Um, And I was really drawn to that. I think that's why I was drawn to the, to Tom Brown school out in New Jersey, because he had an upbringing. He claims that he was taken under the wing by an Apache elder, um, a gentleman named, um, stalking wolf or grandfather as we call him from the time he was eight until 18 and Tom's now uh, Tom's 69 and so that's been a while and he's been he's been teaching this stuff ever since and through his school I got introduced to other Native American teachers like David Winston a, a very top-notch famous herbalist who used to come to the school and and take myself and other instructors on plant walks and he'd interject 
the Native American teaching about these plants too. Mm. And I still tell his stories today because, because they're so wonderful. Even, even stories about poison ivy, for instance, and how the, the Cherokees viewed poison ivy. Um, I've also got introduced to a, a very wonderful spiritual um, leader down here who since passed away. His name was Hawk Littlejohn. And listening to this guy speak um, was, you know, was just phenomenal. And so you see how, you know, my ancestors came from Europe. And I know at one time they lived just like the Native Americans did, but I don't know anything about those cultures because they've been gone for so long. Mm -hmm. So I think what happens to us, or at least me, was I was very drawn to that. I was drawn to that because these people had what I viewed as communities still, even though, you know, we all know what happened to Native Americans, they still hang out together and they share songs and stories between the different tribes across North America. They're keeping it alive. Mm -hmm. Now, do they know a lot about nature? Not necessarily. Some of them maybe do. But a lot of them have, you know, lost a lot of the skills too. You know, you know, they've they've lost some of their skills. They're trying to reclaim them, um, but not everyone in a particular community really cares to reclaim them. Some of them want to get out of that. They want to go to the cities. They want, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting, um, really interesting situation to look at. When you, have you had some very personal experiences in the Native, Native American world for yourself, where you have been inside of those communities? Um, I've been part of their gatherings. I've never lived within a community like that, but I've done, done countless sweat lodges with them and um, pipe ceremonies, you know, and just meaningful things, healing ceremonies, like hands-on ceremonies. Down here, um, a lot of people still do it. it. It's, we're trying to get back into it, but the, one of the big gatherings that the Cherokees have every summer is the um, summer solstice celebration, mm -hmm. which leads right up to the first day of summer. Yeah. And this is the time when you know, communities get together and they do sweat lodges, they do um, rituals, they do hands-on healing on people that ask for it. We fast, we fast for four days beforehand, except mm -hmm. the kids, the kids are always eating, you know, in front of us. Mm -hmm. And we do ceremony three times a day. We call it breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but there's no food. <laughs> right. And then after all this is done, then, we, you know, through all the ceremony for these four days, um, you know, you're doing a, a physical and a spiritual cleanse, really. And then we have a big feast, which usually incorporates a lot of wild game and things like that. And so in the, in the ceremonies, you know, the breakfast, lunch, and dinner ceremonies, <laughs> what would you be doing? Um, again, we'd be doing songs. Um, we'd be, um, sometimes we get together for a little workshop. Somebody might have some clay. We'd do some pottery stuff. And, and again, too, there, you know, there were some hands-on healing things where someone asked if, if people would give them energy and we'd get around them and either put our hands on them or get close and everyone would sing these traditional songs. And, um, you know, I can't tell you how that, how that vibrates. 
through your body when you've got that many people doing it. It's, it's very, very powerful stuff. Very powerful. You know, I, I, I did study some, some of those things quite extensively, mm -hmm. um, you know, around natural healing and all those kinds of processes and have some interesting stories about some of the things that I saw and even experienced coming from that um, nature, not just Native American, but Native anything, uh, but that nature background involves, you know, you were talking about plants and edibles and, uh, you know, what you can eat, what you can't, but also natural medicines and sacred medicines and, and sacred plants and psilocybins and um, peyote. And I have, uh, some very good friends who are in the native schools uh, and in the native church. Um, actually, uh, one of my friends who is actually uh, from Rhode Island, who is, you know, his nickname that I gave him is Whitey. Because uh, <laughs> the guy is like, he's tall, blonde, and white. I mean, like, he is Whitey, um, you know, but he has Native American brothers in, in the, you know, He's been part of the church now for probably 18 years or so, you know, so he's really deeply embedded. He beads, um, he does ceremonies, he does the tobacco ceremonies, he's done the, the peyote ceremonies. Have you been part of that world at all? I have not been a part of the, um, those types of ceremonies, you know, the um, hallucinogenic type stuff before. Yeah. The psychedelics. Yeah, psychedelics. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a part of me that's open to it. I'm not. I'm not closed to, closed to those kinds of things. I know people that have, and they've had very powerful experiences doing it. Um, yeah. So I, I'm. I'm interested in that, Richard. I, I'm. I'm kind of fascinated with, and it's not to put you on the spot, but it's just to. I'm really interested. How come you've not gone down that road? Because it's, it, you know, in my mm -hmm. study of it and my friends who have been down that road who were in that road, and not just Native American, South American, and even with the Aborigines of Australia and, and many different cultures, um, almost all of those cultures involve sacred ceremonies with um, uh, often... Uh, sacred medicines that are hallucinogenic as you said but certainly um other reality involving um experiences i'm really interested in in how you didn't you know you said you're 60 how you didn't go down that road and you've been involved in this since you really since you're a kid in some way right oh i you know you know i smoked my share of pot <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> all, you know, a couple, sure. you know, some of the mushrooms a few times, you know, those were, those were kind of fun. Um, but I'm talking about as a sacred ceremony, you know, right. that's a different thing than, than, than smoking a joint with your right. mates. I mean, none of that, when any of the ceremonies I've been involved in, none of that was part of those ceremonies. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, sweat lodges we did, of course, we did, you know, lots of those. Mm -hmm. Um but I think that, you know, some of these gatherings were so large, you know, they were, you know, maybe there was st stuff going on I didn't know about, Of course, um, you know, but I was never a part of that, but, but I'm open to it, to be honest.